Welcome, welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this episode 19 of the Rambling Brews Podcast, hosted by yours truly. I go by the name Tim, and this week, for the duration of the episode, I'll be joined by three-time Rambling Brews guest, one of the most requested guests, I should say, also, (laughs) one of my best buddies in the world, one of the biggest hockey fans in the world and biggest Pittsburgh Penguin fans in the world, here to break down the playoffs Dummy some beers, talk some wrestling, and start your week off on the right foot. My brother Ray, how's it going, boss? Let's go, Tim. <laughs> Dude, it's been a long time coming. Since the last time you were on, I don't remember what episode it was, but uh, people have been reaching out to me like, man, you got to get Ray back on again. It's almost like you got to become an honorary guest host. Hey, I've been here for what? You said 19 episodes, so that's about 16% of all episodes. Dude, if that's right, if that's fucking right... <laughs> It is. I just, good used, I just used the calculator on my phone real quick. <laughs> hey, before we get started here, um, my appearance today is brought to you by Dots Pretzels, <laughs> a family-owned business from the pride of North Dakota brand, with bakeries located in North Dakota, <laughs> Arizona, and Kansas. Their special ingredient, the snack you didn't know you needed, is love. And that's Dots Pretzels. Man, that's. I, I knew you said you were going to promo some... Uh, some products that you personally <laughs> believe in, but I did not expect that to be right off the rip there. <laughs> no, it's awesome, man. Hey, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Like I said, I wasn't joking. A lot of people have reached out to me and you're still uh, the most listened to episode on the podcast. And, uh, you know, a lot of people reach out to me and say, you know, Hey, Ray was awesome. You should have Ray back on. And I was like, I'll have Ray on as many times as he wants to be on. So I'm glad you came back on. What are you sipping on over there, man? Well, obviously, the Pens lost this afternoon, so I actually have two different drinks here. I stopped at Sheets on the way home from my buddy's place, and I got I got an Arnie Palmer and vodka, and then I'm going to open up a Coors Light with you right now. I'm assuming you got one there with you. Let's crack a beer. Let's go. Yeah, of course I got one here. This is, uh, like you said, Saturday night. We're recording it because the Penguins lost this afternoon, so here's my Coors Light. I heard you crack yours. You said you had about three or four over there ready to go. I want a different route. I only have two here, but they're both 24-ounce cans, so... Should be able to make it through the episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, I think we should probably just dive into some of these playoff series right now. We could probably start with Pittsburgh. Like you mentioned, the Penguins lost today. Uh, they've got a series tied now at uh, 2-2 with the New York Islanders. It's been a pretty physical series, Ray, man. It's been it's been uh, a pretty crazy to watch. And, yep. you know, I, I'm wondering what you think about the Penguins' chances because now it's a best of three. Uh, they got two home games, game five and game seven, potentially at home. Um, and what, what are your thoughts on the series so far? And like, what are your takeaways from watching the first four games uh, between the Isles and Pens? Well, it's going to be a marathon, just like it always is. This is the same thing that the Penguins deal with every single year. Pittsburgh's just absolutely stacked with talent. They have some of the most dynamic players in the entire league. So the best way to counter that, goon it up, send out your fourth line, try to get Gino to take penalties. And he took a bunch today. Yeah, I mean, he, he unfortunately for him, man, I don't, I'm not sure he earned all the penalties. It's pretty crazy because one of my biggest gripes with the officiating, and I hate to be that guy that bitches about the officiating in the no, National No, you can't. It's been absolutely terrible this year. And it's been everybody's terrible. been saying that, man. Yep. Everybody's been saying that. There's been coaches uh, coming out after. Basically, John Cooper, and we'll get to Tampa Bay in a little bit, them against Florida, but he came out today and basically – he didn't like shit on the officiating, but he basically said, you know what, the officiating just needs to be better. And it's crazy because like 
one game or one period, they let everything go. And then the next period, they're calling every ticky-tack call there possibly could be. And in Malkin's defense, I mean, he's only played two games in the last, you know, maybe uh, he played a couple games towards the end of the regular season, but he missed a good number of games. He's played two games in the playoffs so far. He's trying to get his timing back and everything. He's fighting the puck a little bit, and he's just taking penalties, and that's not what you want to do. It's not going to get you in the good side with uh, head coach, the Penguins head coach, Mike Sullivan. And you could see he was a little bit disgusted with Malkin today. Uh, just shaking his head, looking at the replay on some of the penalties Malkin took, but it's pretty crazy, man. Like, like, like I said, it's been so physical, and everything after the whistle. There's been it was like the other game. Uh, um, we'll jump to game three real quick, where they had that big scrum after Jari made a great save, held the puck out of the uh, the net there, and and he was being bowled over basically by all the Islanders, and they've been gooning it up, but basically like it was a whole scrum on the ice. And everybody was in a, in a fight, basically in a tussle a little bit. Just you know, if you watch hockey at all, or if you follow this podcast at all, and you know anything about hockey, you know that happens basically, especially in the playoffs after the whistle all the time. The refs like, swallow the whistles. That's what they always say. Yeah, and they're like you're face washing each other, and they're just kind of just trying to set the tone a little bit. It was the first time in my life I've ever seen the referees take all ten guys off the ice and throw them in the box. Absolutely absurd. I've never seen anything like that. Like, you would think that whenever you're watching them, like, in the past and stuff, like, you're thinking, okay, you know, these guys should all get penalties, and then it just randomly is like, oh, you know, two guys get penalties or whatever, and they're offsetting calls, and it really doesn't well, make a difference. Even even in all-out line brawls, they start kicking players out, and there's <laughs> never that many players in the bed. They, they gave every single guy on there, in just put them all in the box, and then an extra penalty to Jake Gensel somehow. It's, it's frustrating. The NHL always gets in its own way. You have all these incredible talents. The teams that are the highest scoring teams that have the most dynamic players are the ones who get stifled because the refs have absolutely no consistency. And that's the real problem. I mean, the most basic form, Tim, you're a parent. You need to establish boundaries with your kids and then consistently reinforce them or they're going to do whatever they want. The NHL just seems to kind of randomly pick when they're going to call things, when they're going to suspend people. It's completely random, and it, it ruins the fun of the game. Um, now, granted, I'm jaded because we lost this one. If we end up winning game three, I'm like, yeah, they're doing fine. But let's <laughs> – or I'm sorry, game five. Um, it frustrates me because you have – in that game you are talking about in game three, they sent out all their goons, and then they put – both full, full lines are out there both in the box – the Penguins had Crosby, Gensel, Rust, Latang, and Dumoulin all went to the box. Yeah, in the box. Any team will trade their fourth line and a couple of scrub defensemen for those five. You know, and then if, if that's how the refs are going to call it, no matter what happens, they're going to call. You're not going to pick who's instigating. You're not going to pick an extra call on someone who does something extra dirty. Of course they're going to do that. I mean, and Barry Trotz is going to keep sending out the goons, and then they're going to do whatever they can to stifle, you know, talented players like the Penguins have. It's frustrating, but it's a long series. Yeah, I mean, that's what Barry Trotz has been doing, man. Like, whenever he was back with the Capitals, they they goon it up, and they go after the top players, and that's a good strategy if you're the Islanders in this case or the Capitals in that case, you know, a couple years ago. Or or what uh, Florida's doing to Tampa right now, although it's not working for them because Tampa's just absolutely filling the net. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but that's what you have to do. Like, that's the way the NHL rulebook, to your point, and the way the officials call the games, it it basically benefits the teams that have lesser talent. And no knock on the Islanders. They have good players, but, like, they're not as talented as the It all goes back to the New Jersey Devils. The worst thing that ever happened to this league was the Devils winning those series of cups in the 90s. Because so many other teams 
just copied their trap, that left-wing lock, and that's kind of evolved a little bit. You basically clog up the neutral zone. You take away passes. You take away speed. You hold. You hook. And then the refs don't call anything, so you, you get away with it. And I, I still think that's the worst thing that ever happened to the NHL. The best thing that could happen is high-flying teams keep winning the Cups because it's a copycat league. It always has been. Yeah, it's it's just because, like, it it evens the playing field. Like, you look at the Islanders. Now, like I said, I'm not knocking the Islanders. They've got a good team. They've got some young, young good talent. They've got, you know, Matt Barzell and Oliver Wallstrom, a couple other guys that are good players. But if you look at, like you mentioned, Ray, like, the Penguins lineup from top to bottom, they're way better. And like those aren't the guys that are making the biggest impact. Him and Ever, they had a good game today, but like they were invisible for the first couple of games. You got a guy right. like, you know, uh, Clutterbuck has been their best player in the whole series because he's crashing the net. He's straight up knocking over goalies and pucks are bouncing off him into the net. It's not because of his talent, it's because they're not calling all the stuff that he's doing. It's frustrating. Yeah, and, like, did you see the – you probably saw the gif of Crosby, like, when uh, Matt Martin was, like, wrestling him down in game three, Ugh. and then John Marino jumped in and tried to help him out, and Crosby just, like, got his helmet knocked off, and he's just sitting on his ass in front of the net, and he's just shaking his head, thinking, like, basically what Mario Lemieux used to say, this is a fucking garage league. Like Back, back I, against the Panthers in, what, 95, 96? Yeah, exactly like, I'm the best player in the league, or one of the best players in the league in Crosby's case – and, like, I've always said this. I say this every episode, and I'm sure the listeners are probably tired of me saying this, but people don't pay money to watch Matt Martin play. No, they don't. They pay money to watch Sidney Crosby play, Matt Barzell play, they watch Connor McDavid play. Yep. We'll get to him in a little bit. But, like, they don't pay money to see these guys. But the NHL, for some reason, they have this mindset, this dinosaur mindset that the fourth-line jabronis mean just as much as the top-line guys. And they don't, and like it really, it really uh, hurts the sport. I think, and that's why in Mark Madden here in Pittsburgh has said it, and many people have said it that the NHL is the sixth, uh, uh, is ranked sixth in the four major sports. If that makes sense, because like nobody cares about them because they don't do anything to promote the game, and they really hurt their game by the way it's uh, officiated, especially in the playoffs where they just put the whistle away, and then to your point, they just they just pull the whistle out. And just call some random ass penalty for no reason, and the players are just like, players "What the hell?" No like, idea I've been to expect. They yeah, there's no to, consistency yeah. whatsoever. It's ridiculous. That's, that's half the problem. The other half is that, like you said, the dinosaur mindset. The media loves those guys. You have um, after the the pens, but that that game, that game was it game three? Yeah, unbelievable. That five four game, just one of the most fun playoff games you're going to see in a long time. Afterwards, I made the mistake of flipping on NHL tonight, and they have. On the panel, a former Islander who straight up said, well, I really hope this goes to seven, and then obviously I'm cheering for the <laughs> Islanders to win, which is like, you shouldn't say that in the national news. You know, it's it's ridiculous. Well, the biggest problem, Ray, dude, is like the people that have, and hopefully this will change with ESPN and uh, Turner Sports, like TNT and TBS getting it. Yeah. But like, it's the people that are, they were jabronis, like the Anson they have Carters. Dominic Moore is the main person. Yeah. A, he's a fourth These guys line are clowns. These yeah. guys were jabronis, period. And they got the mic and they say that. And like, worst part even, about it, and they were cheering for after the Pens lost, like, well, you know, but the really the stars of this game, and they're talking about the Islanders' fourth line, they didn't even show. Crosby laying out to stop a goal with a minute and a half left in the game. An unbelievable, one of the best defensive plays you'll ever see. Didn't even show it. Yeah, you know, he saved the game. If he, it's he, any other league, if you know, if LeBron jumps up and blocks someone, you're going to see it 150 times because they know how to how to market their stars in the NBA. Same with the NFL, but the NHL just 
their best players, the guys who are the most marketable, who have the most skill, they bury them, say they're not tough enough, and then they cheer some Canadian farm boy who, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's... scratched and clawed to, to get fourth-line minutes, and those are the guys that they're cheering for. Yeah, and the, like ridiculous. a guy like Matt Martin who's out there, he's stick-handling, looks like he's trying to kill a snake with a fucking twig because he can't handle the puck for at all, but he can throw his body around. And, hey, there's a place in the NHL for that, and if Matt Martin played for the Penguins, I'd be fine with it. But I wanted to uh, pull back to when you talked about all the guys that were in the penalty box uh, for, like, the Pens and Islanders. Did you see the, the Islanders fans all over online saying that Crosby got let out of the box early? Did you see that? Where, like, because the Penguins – so basically what happened was you mentioned the Penguins got an extra penalty because Jake Ensel went up and slashed Kyle Palmieri. He got an extra penalty – so all five guys on the ice got a penalty, but Gensel got a double minor, basically. So that's why the Penguins had the extra power or the extra penalty, I should say. And the Islanders got the power play. They scored on that power play, and Crosby came out of the box. Did you see the big uh, controversy with that? Well, right before that, Jason Zucker was trying to go in, and the refs waved him off. He he knew we had an extra penalty, so he was trying to go in there. So and the refs told him he couldn't go in the box. I don't know why. Maybe it's a COVID protocol thing. So, they can, no, they can so, only have five guys face to face in the box. Yeah, not six feet. Yeah. A- <laughs> so what happened was. Um, I don't know all the specifics of the rule and like all the legalese verbatim and all that shit, the way the rules read. But basically in that case, the the case that happened where it's the, it's the captain's choice. So Crosby basically said, okay, Gensel can serve the extra, but the, the captain gets to pick whose penalty goes on the board because they're all offsetting except for that one. So they get to pick whose penalty goes on the board. So Crosby picked his own penalty. So that's why Gensel ended up staying in the box for an extra two minutes. Gotcha. So Crosby's penalty was on the board. So whenever they scored on the power play goal, he came out. And all these Islanders fans were like, that's a joke, blah, what, blah, blah. What blah, Islanders because... fans? There's, what, three of them. The one dude from Entourage, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, Kevin Connolly, shout that's to him. It, I've yeah. actually been watching a lot of Entourage recently, man. It's funny <laughs> even saying that. I started watching the series over again. I was watching it just before we started recording. <laughs> There's like him and Brian Trottier might be kind of an Islanders fan. <laughs> and if Maybe. you follow Barstool at all, uh, Frankie Borelli, he's oh, like the, a moron. Yeah, I can't stand him either. But he's a he's a big Islanders fan. But I thought that was so funny. Just like, and, and I didn't know that rule. I don't want to sit here and like toot my own horn and say I knew that obscure rule. But the NHL and like the well, there's the a, NHL clearly didn't know too because it took ten minutes for them to sort out who was going to go in the box during that. Right. Exactly, dude. It was just an absolute gong show that game. And that's one thing that's uh, worries me a little bit in this. I guess it's now best of three, like I said, for yep. you know two games at home for the Pens, but best of three to advance to the second round. That's and why you play the regular season. You get an extra two games in front of a full crowd, maybe? I'm not sure like what the exact date is, but it might be on Monday or at least close to it. I hope so, man. It's It, it scares me a little bit because, um, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are, Ray, but like Jake Gensel, I feel like Jake Gensel and – Brian Russ have really been struggling uh, just because like based on the size and the matchups they're getting against the Islanders, the Islanders, like we've been talking about, they bruise the hell out of the other team. Um, they hit their physical, their defenseman. I think Adam Pellick is one of the best young defensemen in the NHL. He's played unbelievable this series. He's really uh, kind of jumped on the map a little bit. I know he was pretty good the last couple of years, but you know, his matchup against the Crosby line with Gensel and Rust yeah. and Gensel and Rust have almost been invisible and it's no knock on those guys. But I think the size is really getting to him because every time you see Gensel on the ice, he's well, on his listen, ass. Jake, uh, exactly. That was exactly what I was going to say. He has unbelievable hands. 
He can dart in and out of traffic and then just bury shots. But the only problem is he can't. He gets knocked down. He's getting interfered with. He's getting. You know, he's getting checked at every opportunity. It's uh, it's tough. But I mean, it's a long series. It's a long playoffs. You don't know what's going to happen. But I mean, we don't want to look past to the next season. But the Penguins are definitely going to do a little bit of. Of, I'm not going to say a roster over, overhaul, but look who's in the office now. Brian Burke and Ron Hextall. You know? Right. <laughs> there's, there's some of those old school hockey guys you're talking about. I would not be the least bit surprised if the Penguins, either through drafting or through offseason acquisitions and trades, get at least a little bit bigger before next year. Yeah, they've got to get some muscle, man. I, I saw uh, today, like I said, we be, we're recording on Saturday night. The Penguins lost game four up in Long Island, and and Brian Burke, before the game, he basically came out, and I was shocked that he said it. He said the Penguins need to skate away from some of the bullying and, and like, after the whistle bullshit. And, like, that's not the Brian Burke I know. The Brian Burke right. I know is, like, you got to get somebody. But they, what what can they do right but now? He's they also don't have the personnel. The, I, I mean, you, I, I think that's probably more so. You can't – if the refs are calling everything even um, – I mean, you got to do what you can to get away from it, but at the same time, like, I, I don't know, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's so like like you said, man. I totally agree. This off season, no matter what Berkey or Ron Hextall, the GM say, they're gonna go out and get somebody, you know. And it, it, it's unfortunate because we had Ryan Reeves a couple years ago, and he's one of the you know, better guys at that, a, a good deterrent, probably the toughest guy in the NHL in terms of like the traditional. You know, really can't to play, but he's a goon. A yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a good fighter. You know, toe to toe, great great fighter. Um, but when we had him, Mike Sullivan, he that's not his style. The Penguins coach Mike Sullivan, that's not his style. He wants them to just play, and I understand that to a certain extent because you don't want to have a guy sit the bench and only play four or five minutes a game and really just eat up a roster spot and not do anything. And just if something happens, he goes in, but he's really not going to be you're basically playing with 11 forwards at that point because he's not going to play much. So Mike Sullivan didn't play him all that much and that's, what's going to happen now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mike Sullivan and Ron Hextall and, and Brian Burke, because if they want to get some toughness and I think the Penguins need it, they got to convince Mike Sullivan to play him or otherwise it's ridiculous to give up potentially players or give up, you know, assets and draft picks in the future, because if they're not going to, He's not going to be utilized like Ryan uh, Reeves wasn't. They gave up Oscar Sunquist, who's a pretty solid player for the Blues, and I think they gave up. I don't know if it was a first or they gave up a, a decent, a, a, a decent round pick. I don't know exactly what pick it was, but they gave up a lot to get Ryan Reeves, and he ended up not getting used at all. He got shipped off to Vegas, and then Vegas ended up, you know, using him pretty well, and he's still playing out there. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because I think the Penguins really need to do that, especially in the future. Because Jake Gensel's just getting his ass beat. He's a great player, but he's like 175 pounds, soaking wet, five foot eight. He's got a hell of a shot. But whenever the Islanders get that matchup out there, and they're they're a big team, and then you think about it, man. If the if the Penguins were to advance in this series, they're going to go on more than likely. We'll talk about it in a second, but more than likely, they're going to go on and play the Boston Bruins, who are up three one against the Washington Capitals. The Bruins are no slouch either, man. They're a no, big bruising no. team. And then if you even if the Capitals came back, now you got to deal with Tom Wilson, you know, and Anthony Mantha, and those big bodies. So the Penguins, they got to get bigger. They got to get stronger. They've got the skill. They've got the speed. They've got the finesse, but. You know, they're going to get their ass beat, especially if they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. It's going to be a long, long road for them, especially, it's you know, Rust and Gensel, like I talked about. Fantasy booking. If you can, you know, 
wave what who you'd have to move for this who's like the number one player in this league that you'd like to see on the penguins to help out with that keeping in mind the current coaching and stuff i'll, I'll start it off because i just a, a name popped into my mind because i was thinking about some of the highlights from the early the early part of this playoffs the colorado avalanche's captain landis cog yeah he would be the number one player i'd love to see playing with crosby the guy can score, he can skate, and when he, did you see that fight he had early in the in the uh, there might have been the first. Oh game of yeah, the dude! I never thought in he my life I would see a Swede bombs. Gabriel Anderskog beat the wheels off of a guy like Braden Shen. Braden Shen can fight, man. He can chuck him. Right? Yes, as Shen's no slouch. He's been a physical player his whole career, and he got dummied by Landeskog. That's the. <laughs> I, I don't know why that just popped in my mind. That's the number one player I think I'd like to see playing on Sid's line in this particular series. You know. Lightning rod, and he can handle himself, and then also can put pucks away. That's the kind of guy that you think. I mean, you talked about the problem with bringing Reeves in. Is Sullivan's lineup is all built on speed and transitions, being quick on the puck and quick on the forecheck. You can't have a guy like Ryan Reeves doing that because he can't skate that well. But a dude like Landis Cog would just completely change the face of this this team. Right, and like there's a guy, the guy the Penguins have now, Brandon Tanev. He's kind of like that, but he's just not. He's not much of a fighter, but he's a madman, man. Like, hey, he, if we had Tanev, on, Tanev in every line, it wouldn't be a problem because right. he is a maniac, and I mean that in the best possible way. Which was funny because he's he's like a gong show out there, dude. He's just he's finishing his checks. I've been saying this in the last couple episodes. He's sucking he's down a guy. packs of mustard on the bench, and then just yeah, he's sucking packs of mustard. <laughs> I'm like, I saw that on the uh, mic'd up clip, and he's like asking for mustard. This guy's a psycho. It apparently helps out with cramps. Um, it's the vinegar and the mustard that helps out with cramps. I looked it up because I thought maybe he was just doing it because other people hate the taste of mustard, and he was like spitting it at him, or maybe he hates it and it makes him angry and makes him play harder. It, no, it's for cramps apparently. <laughs> it's a thing that runners do. Yeah, he's an unbelievable guy to have on the squad, and. Like you said, if you could have him on every line, that'd be great. He's not that much of a fighter either, but you know he's been he's been unreal. And I saw Zach Aston Reese before the game. I was watching the pregame, and he was talking about how like we talked about in Game Three, it was like a gong show, all those fights and all that, and all the guys getting thrown into the penalty box. And it was Brandon Tanev basically standing up on the bench and saying, "Hey guys, play a simple game, cool it. Let's you know just play our game. Don't get in you know em- over emotionally invested, I guess, and do anything right. stupid." And it was cool to see that, and that's the kind of guy the Penguins need. And to answer your question about, like you mentioned, Gabriel Landeskog. Yeah, there's absolutely no chance the Penguins could get a guy like Landeskog no. because he's no, no, that no. good. He's the captain. He's, captain. he's yeah. <laughs> right. He's one of the best players in the NHL. It's just fantasy. Booking. I just, just I don't know if there's anybody that. out there. I don't know if there's anybody out there that could fill that void for the Penguins, unless, and as much as it pains me to say it. Unless you're going to get a guy like Tom Wilson from the Capitals to come over to Pittsburgh, I've said it before on the podcast, Ray. Like, if he was a Penguin, I'd probably love him. I like. I Matt hate Cook. him so much. He's such a dirty player. I hate him so much. But the way he play, like he's he's one of the last true power forwards in the league. I think. Right. Yeah. He's he's like a guy that he's not a great like he's not a great player by any means. He's not really even a good player. He just creates so much space. And he plays with. He's able to play with good players. That's why he plays with Backstrom and Ovechkin a lot. And fuck, you put me with the Ovechkin and Backstrom, and I could probably you know bounce a couple in off my ass <laughs> right, on an Ob right. one time, or I'll have a welt on my ass the size of Texas. But <laughs> it's just like, you know, that that's the type of player I think. But the NHL is trying to push, trying to push them out a little bit. But at the same time, they're not because Tom Wilson's taking headshots, and then he doesn't get suspended. We talked. I mentioned that earlier. You got to set boundaries and be consistent. 
So you had Tom Wilson trying to kill a guy, and he gets a $5,000 fine, and then they dock, uh, like, Codry's out for eight games for, like, the exact same hit. I was going to say that's a great segue because I want to talk about Kadri a little bit. Yeah. And, and the Avalanche are just rolling through the oh. St. Louis Blues. And I think they're going to roll all the way to the cup final. They're but really good. They're, they're nasty. They're a wagon. They're really, really good. And what I like about them is they're, play, they're, they're playing the right way. And, and by the right way for me, nice. I just cracked another one. Let's go. Um, obviously, I hate teams that trap. I don't mind teams that are physical as long as they keep scoring and they play fast. And the Avalanche play so fast. Oh, dude. Like, part of me, obviously, I want the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup. And I want them to be in it as long as possible. But part of me is just praying for a Tampa Bay Lightning Colorado Avalanche series. Because I think in the second round, we're going to get the Avalanche in the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Because the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Minnesota Wild tonight. They're up 3-1 in the series. And the, like I mentioned, the uh, Avalanche are absolutely rolling the Blues. They're up three games to zero. So that's going to be an absolute track meet. What a series that's going to be. But if you can get the Tampa Bay Lightning, especially if they're healthy, and we'll talk about in a second some of the injuries they had today um, in their, their game. Uh, what was it, game four? Yeah, so their Some game four. Significant ones, yeah. Right. So if they could be fully healthy and have that series, that might be one of the best series like you could possibly have, to be honest. The the Avalanche, they're so top heavy, man. They've got good depth, but you got McKinnon and Landeskog and Ranton and Kadri being out eight games, we'll talk about in a second, but they're just they're nasty. And then you look at the lightning, you got Kucherov and Braden Point. And Stamkos and those guys, like even their depth with Anthony Sorelli and Patrick Maroon, like they're yeah, those two today, teams are um, just on paper nasty. Both, both uh, Kucherov and is it Svechnikov both got hurt? No, it's uh, Svechnikov's on the on the Canes, but it's um, oh yeah, yeah, you're Kucherov right. and uh, Mikhail Sergachev. Some other Russian, I don't know, <laughs> Sergachev, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sergachev, I didn't see exactly what happened to him, um, but. Kucherov, he got he just kind got, of... It, it was a standard Patrick Hornquist hit. Oh, it, I did see that. Actually, yeah. I did see that. It didn't look dirty at all. And it just he it was it was kind of similar, not in the same area as the as uh, oh, Anthony Duclair. He slashed Kucherov. It was definitely a slash. Yeah, he caught him it, in the inside of the knee. It looked, it like. looked so light. It looked like he just tapped him. I mean, I mean, you and I play that same slash happens what ten times a game, but. He went down like he was shot. So so maybe that injury was more serious than it than people were thinking. Yeah, I don't know, man. My buddy Dustin, his his wife Denise is a um Tampa Bay fan. She's like mm-hmm. she grew up there and and he was texting me, he's like, Hey man, I saw the hit on Kucherov look kinda dirty. And I didn't see it. So I went back and I looked at it and I texted him back. I was like, I don't know, man, look looked uh, pretty soft, honestly. It looked like he kinda went down easy. And he agreed with me, but I, I don't know what happened because you can get caught on that, like on the spot on your knee that could really buckle you. But I think he'll be fine. I, mean, I don't think it was anything serious. And I did see, you know, like you said, Sergachev got hit by Hornquist. Dude, I watched like the probably the whole second period, and most of the third period. Dude, Hornquist, they were down big. And Hornquist, every time he laid a hit, he was just like getting up and cross checking and face washing and just like trying to start shit. I I just that's it made me miss it, it made me miss Horny on the pen so bad, man. Just like seeing what he was doing out there, just causing a ruckus, dude. It was hilarious. Well, so I was also wondering. I, I haven't heard anything back yet. It was the the standard NHL coach speed. He has he has a uh, an injury, a body injury, or something like that. They're gonna be as vague <laughs> as possible. So. Um, I was wondering at the the time left in that game. Obviously, Flores has no chance of coming back there. So maybe uh, is that the coach 
Maybe he tweaked his knee a little bit and the coach just pulled him. You know, is that just... I mean, so Kucherov, like, if you're talking about Kucherov, he yeah, he, yeah, exactly. he went off the ice. Like, he he had to be helped off the ice. He looked like he was in in so much pain, and it was kind of weird because Duclair, like, I mean, he slashed him for sure, but it, it didn't look bad at all. So, But like you said, it could have been one of those weird situations where he caught him weird. Like, And maybe it's one of those things that if it's a game seven and they're behind, he might come back. Right. You know, we'll find out more in the next 24 hours, I'm sure, whether yeah, or not that and, was a serious injury or not. And I, yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think he probably, I mean, he, he was definitely hurt. I think it's like one of those things where like he, he got caught on the sweet spot of his knee or something and it just really hurt. Like, you know, if you bang, I don't know if you've ever banged your knee together, or like banged your knee against somebody else. So you're playing like tackle football or something like that. All the like, time. It can really, <laughs> <laughs> it can really fuck you up. And like, you feel horrible. You feel like you can't move for a few minutes and then you're fine. That's probably what I think it is. I saw John Cooper, basically, who's the coach of the lightning after the game. They asked him, and some like stupid ass reporter, I don't even know who it was, but he asked, he's like, Isn't it a shame in 2021 we're still dealing with this in playoff hockey? And John Cooper was like, No, I actually think this is great for the games. I'm sending a message, this is perfect. I had no problem with the hit. You know, am I happy that Kucherov got hurt? No, obviously, but it's part of the game. So the way, uh, it's part of the reason why fans love the game and all that stuff. And, I don't think it was anything deliberate. Maybe just a little shot. Maybe a little whack behind the legs. That's just the way hockey is. So, it it, it struck me as that Kucherov's going to be fine. Sergachev is going to be fine. And it struck me that you know John Cooper has no uh, you know n- no fear for the Florida Panthers because they're up three games to one now. And I wanted to ask you, Ray, in that series, what are your thoughts on Sergey Bobrovsky? So the goaltender, he's he's making ten sheets a year, ten million dollars. <laughs> and he's been pulled twice now. He's been replaced by Chris Dreger, who I think is making seven hundred and forty-five thousand. Goddamn, wish I could make seven hundred and forty-five thousand. Right, right. But he, uh, you know, I <laughs> well, mean, he, the guy's uh, well, making ten here, million, and he can't save a beach ball. Here's all you need ball. to say about Sergey Bobrovsky. Let me just pull up his stats real quick. Save percentage eight forty-one. Goals That's against garbage. five point three three. Are you fucking serious? In the playoffs right now? For that much. I, it, Hey, give me give me uh, one eighth of that, and I can stand in the net with a bunch of pads on and not stop anything. That's fine. I, I'll be happy to. That's do what that. I'm saying, dude. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> They're paying him ten million dollars a year, and he's getting yanked. He's getting the hook. He's not giving them anything. He's getting bombed. He's not just. <laughs> he's just getting. So you absolutely know, destroyed. you know, uh, you know. Obviously, you know Jeff Veda, a good buddy of mine. He plays goalie for us in the Muffin Farmers. Yes, sir. He was texting me today, and he's like, "Dude, I've never seen a goalie get beat more five hole." Than Bobrovsky, he never adjusts. Every time there's a breakaway, he gets beat five hole or shootout five hole. Every I'm pretty time. sure if you switch Veda and Bobrovsky, they have a, Florida has a much better chance of winning. <laughs> I, but I don't know if Veda would tell you that, but I'm sure he could probably put up an eight forty. Hey, he's a proven percentage. winner. He's he's got he's got a couple championships. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He'll be happy to hear that on this part of the podcast. <laughs> but dude, honestly, it's crazy because. He came out of Columbus, and everybody knew he wanted to go to Florida because he wanted to be in Fort Lauderdale, Sunrise, Miami area, you know, as the high-end Russian player. But he's not going to live up to it. And $10 million for a goaltender is a lot, especially whenever you're not making the saves and you're getting replaced by, first of all, Chris Dreger, who I mentioned is making under a million. And then Spencer Knight, he's a rookie. He's coming out of, you know, playing junior hockey. And he played a couple games this year, and I don't know what you do because I'm not sure the exact status of his contract, but I'm sure he has a no-movement clause that kicks in pretty soon. So <laughs> Florida and Joel Quinville and those boys, they might be uh, pretty much fucked when it comes to getting rid of him. And it's not Joel Quinville's fault. 
their their head coach because he came after he was signed. But you know, you figure you're going to sign a guy to that much money. He's got to produce better than that. Paying goalies is such a weird situation because, like, if you have you can win an entire series, you can win the whole Stanley Cup if your goalie gets hot. But at the same time, you never know what a goalie is going to do from year to year. You have some of the best goalies that you've ever seen just have complete meltdowns. It's and then and then you have you have young guys who come in as a rookie and win back-to-back Stanley Cups and then forget how to stop pucks and now they're in Ottawa making a bunch of money doing absolutely nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is a ricochet shot of Matt Murray. I respect it. Oh no, what are you talking about? I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but dude, honestly, yeah, that that's exactly right. And and speaking of just shit in the bed, man, like, what do you make of the uh, Edmonton Oilers? Their first two games, they lose at home against the Winnipeg Jets. Connor McDavid, no points. Uh, what do, what do I make of no Connor, Mc, Connor McDavid is one of the best regular season players of all time. Regular I, season players. And I then, said it a couple weeks ago, Ray. <laughs> that's it. You I don't see it. he's not going to be coming back 190 feet to make that diving stop like Sid did. No, he can no skate chance. through anyone. The dude, he, he can almost like um. You watch those? Mar- no, you don't watch any shows. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> in Ant Man, Ant Man too. In case you've seen it, there's there's this uh, this lady who like can phase through people. She can disappear and show up at the other side. So what Connor McDavid does with the puck. He can like just spots he shouldn't be able to get through. He can, but then it gets to the playoffs and you have a team playing a system and they get a little physical with him. All of a sudden he can't score at all because you know, dude, a thousand percent. I said the same thing a couple episodes ago. Whenever I was talking about how ridiculous McDavid's point total was, he had over a mm-hmm. hundred points in fifty six games, and I was saying you got to do it in the playoffs because, like, whenever he played in the playoffs. Outside of this year, when he the last time he was in the playoffs, he played against the Anaheim Ducks. And Ryan Kessler at the time was not in the league anymore, but he was. And he was a dominant defensive forward, defensive centerman. He was all over McDavid, just up in his kitchen constantly. And McDavid really couldn't do much. And you saw it last year in the bubble with Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks did the same thing. They really pressured McDavid. I mean, he, he produced well. I think he had nine points in four games. They ended up losing the series. But... He, he produced pretty well, but this year, I mean, you've got the Jets, all they're doing, like you said, they're playing a system. And the the Edmonton Oilers, they appear to be playing regular season hockey still. They're still trying to make, like, the nice play, the sports center top 10 play, the chip pass, all that shit. They're not playing dump and chase hockey and that, that this type of hockey you have to play to have success in the playoffs. And that's just not what they're doing. And I knew this was going to happen. I said it a couple episodes ago that he's going to get stifled in the playoffs. It's no knock on him, but that team has no depth whatsoever. They have nobody else None. on the team that can score a goal outside of Drysaddle and McDavid, unless Drysaddle or McDavid assists on it. And they've been, you know, held off the score sheet and pretty much invisible the first two games. And now they're going back to Winnipeg. It's not a not an easy place to play. Obviously, there's no fans there uh, right now, unfortunately, but. You know, Winnipeg went in there, and Winnipeg, I believe, lost, I think it was seven of nine games, if I'm not mistaken, to the Edmonton Oilers in the regular season. So I figured, and that's what kind of reminds me of when the Penguins, when they remember in 2013, I don't want to bring up bad memories because this was a tough time in my life, but when the Penguins got swept by the Boston Bruins in 2013, I believe they beat them all five times that year in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken, and then they got swept four straight. So I was thinking that almost the same thing where, like, you know, the Oilers have been beating the shit out of the Jets this year all year, and the Jets are going to go in, and they might win a couple. And they took two on the road. Now they got to – all they got to do is 
I mean, they've got three home games still, and all they got to win is two of them. And, and, and once again, I said this earlier, if you got a hot goalie, that's all that matters. And what's his name? Uh, Hel- Connor Hellebuke. He just he's he's been unbelievable so far. He's just absolutely stonewall him every step of the way. Plus, you know, we talked about Connor McDavid, one of the best regular season players of all time. He's no Fernando Pisani. <laughs> <laughs> Edmonton, and he and he did all of that. Edmonton Oilers in 2005-2006, Fernando Pissani, they go to the finals, and he did that all with Crohn's disease. What a player. Yeah, what an absolute stud <laughs> he was. But, yeah, dude, I, I said it in my playoff preview last week, man. I thought Connor, or Connor Hellebuck had uh, not a stellar season for his standards, uh, especially against the Oilers. But I said, and I'm going to toot my own horn here, but I said he was going to bounce back and he was going to have a hell of a playoff because it's a different season. The playoffs are completely different. You can just completely write off what happened in the regular season, and that's what he's doing. He's playing all, unbelievable all hockey right now. All that matters is that you get down. hot at the right time. He's let up one goal in two games. Right, he's, exactly. He stopped 70 of 71 shots. That's incredible. And if you if you do that, it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're uh, – goalies just get like that when they're when they're unbeatable. Right. Well, you talked about that, that series against the Bruins – the Penguins could not score on Tuga Rast that year. Yeah, they had I, three goals in four games, and I think Joe Vitale had one of them, and <laughs> right. fucking uh, Derek England or somebody had the other one. And I don't even want to talk. That was one of the most frustrating. Don't bring that up. Let's move past that. So, yeah, yeah Sarah's – my wife's brother was getting married <laughs> the next day. Game four when they lost and they got swept <sighs> was the rehearsal dinner, and I was just pounding Coors Lights, just trying to get through <laughs> – and he and my brother-in-law now, but before he he came up to me, he was like, "Hey man, you know, just have a good time tomorrow. I know it's tough." And I was like, "I was just sitting at the I'll hotel try. bar. Just I just I'll wanted not not nothing would have made me happy at that point. I could have won a million dollars on the Powerball, and I still would have been pissed." But I digress <laughs> oh, hey, on that. <laughs> oh, uh, my uh, my lady and Ziggy Poffy just got home, and he took my water bottle and walked out of the room. <laughs> right, dude, Ziggy Poffy, what an unbelievable dog name, dude. I, I, I know we talked about that last time, but <laughs> I fucking love that. Uh, the last playoff series I wanted to talk about, and I know we could probably get more in-depth to each series, but it's just crazy what's going on with all these series. Like The hatred is there, man. The hatred is there. Like Before we talk about this last series, like the hatred we talked about with Florida and Tampa, the Penguins, the Islanders, uh, even like Minnesota, Vegas, uh, Colorado, St. Louis, it's because like these teams have been playing each other all year. They haven't yep. played anybody else, so like there's oh, a yeah. legitimate hatred there, and it it makes for pretty awesome. And More games than they usually games. play, you know, and and they're all recent because the way that the schedule was condensed, you know, some of these series, these are teams that they played just a few weeks ago. Right. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. I I wish they could do it. Um, if they could find a way to do that where they could play their division opponents more. But I still like whenever, you're, you know, when the Penguins, for instance, get to go out and see the Colorado Avalanche, you get to see Crosby versus McKinnon. Twice a year, right. Or like the Penguins go play the Oilers, they get to see Crosby versus McDavid twice a year. So it'd be interesting to see if they could figure that out. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to go back to the way they always did the schedule whenever it comes next year. But it's been pretty crazy. So the last series... Uh, I wanted to talk about was the Washington Capitals. So they're, I mentioned earlier they're down three to one to the Boston Bruins. Have you watched much of that series? I got to be honest, I've watched pretty much every every single game. I know you want to talk about some wrestling stuff, but I haven't watched 
more than five minutes of that because every game has been an absolute blast. Um, we start off the the podcast talking about the problems with NHL hockey, but there's still nothing like it. Playoff hockey, when the when, like you mentioned, the teams they absolutely hate each other. It's a bloodbath. You have some amazing goals every every single you know the the lead changes. So yes, um, it's such a weird series to watch though because I hate both teams so much and I really don't want either of them to win. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a it's that's how I feel too. Um, I thought the. Bruins would win this series in six games, I believe was my prediction. And that looks pretty good right now as they're up three to one. Yep. Um I, I didn't think the Capitals would, would roll over and pretty much just play dead as they are. And you know, the games could have gone either way. I think the first three games went to I don't know if they went all went to overtime, but they were all I think they all did go to overtime, but they were all settled by one goal. Uh so they you know, easily could could have gone the other way, you know, for, for um, you know, whoever won each game, but it's you know the way Taylor Hall has been playing, uh, Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak, they got in the mix last night um, in Game Four, and the Capitals really just haven't had much to show for it. I know Kuznetsov is coming off the COVID protocol list. Uh, game Three, they had that ridiculous play. I'm sure you saw it where uh, Ilya Samsonov in double overtime went back to play the puck. Oh yeah, and it looked it looked like him and Justin Schultz had a miscommunication there. He thought he was just going to leave it, and Schultz thought he was going to move it. And in my opinion, I'm not a goaltender. Um, I never have been a goaltender, but just from my experience watching hockey, it's the goaltender's fault because he should know that if the if, if a four checker is four checking that hard, no matter what the defender says, he should worst case just chip it or rim it off the glass. Like there, there's there's no harm in just shooting it off the glass or chipping it over to Schultz. And I think that's what Schultz was thinking. Like Schultz was thinking he's going to chip it over to me because Craig Smith is the guy that scored the eventual game winner. You know, he's, he's, uh, you know, coming in hard. He's going to attack the puck. Basically he's got a free reign to the puck there. Look at it this way. If you're not sure whose fault that is, even if you're the best puck-playing goalie of all time, if you're Brodeur, that any good puck-moving defenseman like Justin Schultz, who's done it for a long time, is going to make better decisions than the goalie is. You know, If you're not sure who to place blame on in that situation, the defenseman's probably going to be right. They see the ice a little bit a different way. Your main goal as a goalie, even if you are great at playing the puck, and some of them are amazing with his breakout passes or right. you know when to chip it out, the defensemen just think the game differently. Your primary job as a goalie is to stop pucks from going behind you. Yeah, so exactly. I, I saw the same thing, and um, also I might be a little bit of a bias because Justin Schultz used to play for the Penguins. I was just like, well, Sam Sonov screwed that up royally, and Schultz did whatever he could. You know? Yeah, it just, it just like. I couldn't believe that, and that's a very and I wasn't surprised. I thought the Capitals would come back and win the next game, but I wasn't surprised that they lost it because, yeah. like, it was so demoralizing to lose that way. It kind of reminded me of how the Penguins back in I think it was 2013. Also, I never going back a couple of years like we talked about earlier in 2013, but when they lost to uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets in that one game where Mark Andre Fleury had that blunder behind the net. And uh, he ended up giving up a tying goal, and then Nick Foligno scored in overtime. It reminded me a lot of that, and it's very demoralizing. Um, you know, fortunately for Penguins fans back then, they went on to win that series. But I don't think the Capitals are going to win this series. Uh, I think Boston has just got you know a three-one lead now. They're too deep. I don't. I don't see them losing three straight games. Boston's one of those teams you can't to beat them. You got to get a jump on them. You can't go in a hole. You know, they, right? Because they're totally fine winning a game one nothing. Um, they got Bergeron, who's one of the best defensive forwards of all time, 
And teams kind of take on the identity of their captain. They can shut it down and play unbelievable defense when they need to. So you're up 3-1 in the series unless there's some royal mistakes or unless Washington finds a next uh, like some kind of other gear that they haven't in years. Um, yeah, that's that Boston's probably most likely going to win that series. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and speaking of the identity of your captain, did you see Alex Ovechkin just screaming at Ilya Samsonov, the goaltender, after the I game the other night? I did see that. So <laughs> he had a he had a bad play. Like I mentioned, he made a bad play. It was a bad miscommunication between him and Justin Schultz. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. It was one of the first couple episodes where in hockey you just don't do that. Like no. in public, especially, especially. not to the goalie, especially you, not to the goalie can, of all things, too. A hundred percent, man. And and I could understand, like, because Ovechkin, he's been there, he's done that. He's a great player, all time great Stanley Cup champion, Conn Smythe winner. Like sometimes it, to a fault in hockey, sometimes a goalie will have a horrible game and cost the team. The and and everyone's like, I think you know he made some good saves, but you know we got to be better as a team. It's always the we thing in hockey. I've never seen someone. Especially yeah. a captain going off in their goalie like, and that. I could that see you nuts. doing that. I, I I don't have a problem with Ovechkin like trying to fire up his team and like get after the guy right. and stuff like that. But you do that in the locker room. You don't do that with the camera on yep. your face and you're screaming at the rookie goaltender. I know, Especially and I've talked you about know this. The media is watching it close, and they're going to make yeah, a story he, out of it too. He just, just came off of a, give the other team any fuel. Yeah, and he just came off. Sam Sonoff just came off of COVID protocol. He's been a little bit in the doghouse of the organization, and maybe that's what played into Ovechkin's frustration. And obviously, Ovechkin knows well, that he doesn't have much they, time they, left. You know, he how wants is to wa- win. How are the players in Washington still getting COVID? It doesn't make any sense. How have I, they not all gotten vaccinated? How are they still? <laughs> I'm not you know, sure, man. It's up. It's, it's no up other teams their... seem to be having a problem with this. Besides Washington, all season they have one or two guys out. It's up to their. It's it's the player's choice, so right. they're not right. forced yeah, to get it. Yeah. And I don't want to pick. I don't want to pivot over to the NBA, but uh, LeBron James, you know, he. I guess uh, allegedly he's chosen not to get the vaccine. And I thought his problems. He got poked in the eye or something. No, he got poked in the eye the other night in <laughs> in the playing game. He still banged home the game winner, but he uh, he went to like. <laughs> I don't want to pivot too much off of that, but it is the Rambling Bruce podcast. But he <laughs> yeah, we're he uh, it. We're rambling, brother. Uh, <laughs> brother <laughs> but but he he went to like some uh like promotional event for his tequila company or something and anyway you know he they were asking him about it because he violated the nba's covid protocol and he didn't get suspended because he's lebron james and then they you know all these reporters were asking him well hey did you get the vaccine did you get the vaccine did you get the vaccine and he wouldn't answer it so I think that's part of it because, like, the NHL basically came out and said, like, you know, the, the restrictions will be loosened on each team that has above 85% vaccination rate. Mm-hmm. I saw a couple teams that didn't didn't do that. I know the St. Louis Blues didn't do that, and they've had a little bit of a uh, COVID outbreak. I think they had five or six guys recently that got it. Um, but I don't want to speak on that because, obviously, it's everybody's own decision. It's not my business. I don't care, honestly, but – you know, it's 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 everybody's own decision, and some teams, I think, Rayman just decided, or some players decided they don't want to get it for whatever reason, and that's their own personal thing. But that's a discussion for a different day, man. Uh, Ray, I, I wanted to ask you. So I know we talked. I know I said I was going to be the last thing I wanted to talk about with hockey, but I just remembered the. Uh, hey, man! This this time of year, if we just want to talk about hockey the whole time, the NHL playoffs are the best thing on TV. There's nothing else to talk about. So that's totally. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I did want to get to a little bit of wrestling talking a little bit, but I wanted to mention the uh, 
John Tavares injury. Did you see the John Tavares oh, injury? Man. man, that was very, very sad to see. That's brutal. You hate to see something like that happen. Um, so, like, I've seen the hit itself a bunch of times. You, you see people get hit in the head with a knee or a shoulder. What was brutal was after that when when they called all of the Canadians' doctors out, too, and there was tons of people out there, and they were trying to help him up, and he just fell back. That was scary. Yeah, I, I, I showed— Really scary. Uh, That's the only way to describe it, yeah. I showed Sarah that, and I was like—and she's like, I don't want to see that. And I was like, you got to see this because Tavares, he's one of the— you know, love him or hate him. If you're an Islanders fan, I'm sure you hate him. But you know, nobody ever wants to see name. anybody. He's he's a market he's a marketable player. You know, and, and, and not only that, man, but not, nobody wants to see somebody get hurt like that. And like, and they they try to pick him up, and he was just dead weight, like 200 yeah. pounds of dead weight. And you can see, like, it was very scary because Kyle Dubis, the general manager of the Maple Leafs, he's like moving his hands, and he's like, "Come on, come on, come on!" Like trying to get the uh, you know medical staff out there, and it was very very scary and i wanted to get your take not only on the hit like we just talked about but you know because it was it was an accident in my opinion it, it was he got knocked yeah. down i'm not sure who he got tangled up with he got knocked down i can't remember um, who had the initial hit but then uh, yeah uh, perry hit him with the knee afterwards and it looked like he tried to jump out of the way i, I know i know some people immediately tried to because Corey perry's a dirty player he has been right. for a long time yeah, he's been for but a long time. not there you know you know you don't try to hit a guy with your knee after he's already already falling down like it, it just didn't even make sense in that situation you could tell right away even him he was like oh man he, he skated over to him when he was getting um carted out in the stretcher there like uh that that just you don't like to see that kind of thing especially people who play hockey that's a kind of accident that can happen at any time that's why you gotta you know keep your head up like not like there's anything Tavares could do there just ugh, ugly you don't like to see that yeah and 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 uh you know Corey Perry from what I've understand like what I understand and, and what I've read he's pretty much a pretty good friend of John Tavares I mean they've played in the Olympics together they've been uh, friends together they're, yeah. they're both um Team Canada probably before. they're both London Knights in the junior um you know the Quebec Major Junior League or sorry it's the OHL I can't remember if it's the OHL or not but they, they both play for London uh the London Ontario Knights um, While we're rambling, I just talked to my. I called my grandma after Game Three to make sure she was all right. You know, because that <laughs> <laughs> she's approaching ninety, or she, you know, in her late eighties, and um, she was telling me about. Uh, she was trying to figure out how long she's been watching hockey, and came up with it. It's, it's been seventy years she's oh, been shit. watching hockey, and then she told me on her honeymoon. Her and my grandpa went on went to see three separate games, and one of them was up in uh, London, Ontario. It, I'm not sure if it was the Knights or not, but this was you know 65, 70 years ago. Dude, that's fucking <laughs> awesome, man. That sounds like I love that you brought the, the London Knights. Honey- like, I got I got to share that right away. Dude, that sounds like the, the best uh, honeymoon of all time. I wish apparently you- someone pitched a no hitter. And my grandpa stayed up to watch the game, and my grandma still is mad at him to this day. You know. <laughs> But hey, I don't want to get into baseball because I I, I honestly don't give a shit about baseball. But there's been no hitters left and right this year in the major leagues. I'll leave it at that. But it's because they probably have a dead ball and they'll juice it. And then people are going to start hitting dangers again. (laughs) Listen, I'll start watching baseball when you're allowed the juice and you just hit the ball 500 600 feet that that was the most fun i've ever had watching baseball when mark mcguire and sammy sosa were just oh, their dude. muscles were popping out of their bodies and they that were hitting the, the ball a mile time. and a half it was amazing it was that the was most the best fun time 
That was the best time. I wasn't even a baseball fan, but I remember exactly where Same I was. Same here. Like when yeah, Barry Bonds exactly. and those guys were just hitting dingers left and right. And like Barry Bonds was getting like he would come up with the bat four times in a game. He'd get two decent pitches because most of the time he'd get intentionally walked or they'd throw the ball in the dirt. And any decent pitch he got, he hit it into the fucking cove or whatever the hell it was called out there at AT&T Ballpark. I think it was AT&T Ballpark at the time out in San Francisco. But, um, but you know, piggybacking back to uh, Corey Perry. <laughs> the baseball broke. Okay. I, yeah. so I was talking about my grandparents on their honeymoon. <laughs> Obviously, that was something you wanted to talk about in today's podcast. No, I appreciate the hell out of that. Dude. That's a boss move story right there, watching the no-hitter and when your grandma was trying to get after it. I'll have to find out. My, my grandpa will definitely know who who it was, who it was. In, in the game. I'll get that to you. But I'll make sure I share that next time. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. But honestly, with Corey Perry... The only thing I wanted to ask you about was like Nick Felino. He he came out and he challenged Corey Perry to fight, and Corey Perry after the whole Tavares incident. And we've already established, and I think everybody um, has established it was an accident. Maybe yeah. Corey Perry's a little bit reckless, like you mentioned. He's a dirty player, so he doesn't get yeah. the benefit of the doubt. A lot of elbows, a lot of you know things like that. Right, but yeah, right. Yeah, but I don't think it was necessary for Corey Perry to have to fight. I'm not sure anybody really wanted to see a fight after that. I'm not, I like fighting. I'm an advocate for fighting in the NHL. I think it it, it has its place, but I'm not sure it has its place when it's a complete accident. Like he obviously didn't mean to do that. It just, I'm not sure it really served any purpose. And I I was interested in what you thought about that. Didn't help Toronto win the game either. No, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say, you know, the whole thing with the code, I don't know when, the whole idea in hockey for people who don't know what that's talking there's there's books about it. I think Ken Dryden wrote a book called The Code, maybe. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um certain situations where you do something, you're gonna have to stand up and fight for yourself, but it seems to be lost. You know, there's now there's teams who won't do it, teams who do. I don't know if you have to like I, I honestly thought that was an accident, you know? So I don't know if you, you should have had to fight for that. And like I said, it didn't really change the outcome of the game. And then later on I think Kane tried to fight him too. I mean, eh, is what it is. I just I hope Tavares is all right. Yeah, uh, you know, on behalf of the Rambling Brews podcast, we definitely hope Tavares is all right. He's a good guy, great hockey player. Uh, I saw he had a he was diagnosed with a concussion. Yeah, he had no yeah, neck sure. injuries. That's um, good. Not, no core injuries, anything like that. Nothing serious. Um, obviously, concussions are serious, but you know what I'm saying. And hopefully, you know, he doesn't rush back, and uh, the Maple Leafs. I don't think they're gonna. I mean, I think they'll beat Montreal. Well, they came back and won the next. There's no. I I wish I would have put money on it. There's no way they were gonna lose the game after you know having Tavares get knocked out like that. The next game, you knew they were gonna win the next one. Right. Yeah, they won five one tonight, Saturday night when we're recording. So, um, you know, like you said, you had to figure that was gonna happen. So, best wishes to John Tavares, and and with that, I think you know. We should pivot over to some wrestling talk because we always have some pretty awesome wrestling talk. I know a lot of people have reached out to me and saying they, you know, say they really enjoy it uh, because you have, you know, you have a love for AEW and and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to just pick your brain a little bit, and we talked about this off the air, um, you know, when we were prepping for this. But to get your, because I think the the top five lists, the the listeners really like them, where we're gonna have the top five entrance themes. In our opinion, 
pretty crazy. Any wrestling fans out there, I think will pretty much uh, really enjoy this. And if anybody doesn't like wrestling, they probably have tuned off of this podcast by now. Hey, if you don't, well, I got two words for you. Suck it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. I probably got, uh, I lost my recess about 17 or 18 times in elementary school for doing the crotch chops back in the day. I think everybody did. This is a perfect time. One of my buddies, uh, I won't mention any names here, but in case they stumble across this, they know who they were. Um, <laughs> there was a, uh, you know, back at the height of wrestling, back in the, you know, in the 90s, the Stone Cold, the the rock era, when everything was just, just absolutely wild, like really into mainstream media. Um, at the, the Whitehall Pool, if you, <laughs> if you got in trouble for something you did off the diving board, they would threaten you with, uh, well, the first, the first, uh, <laughs> the first warning was, you know, just a warning from the lifeguards. Then you had to sit on the wall for a half hour. And then if it was really bad, you got kicked out of the pool for the whole year. And my buddy, after uh, splashing the lifeguards, after doing a front flip a bunch of times in a row, he was warned that if he does one more, he was going to get kicked out of the pool for the summer. And he walked up to the edge of the lifeguard and everyone was watching with bated breath. He stared right at this lifeguard, this punk-ass lifeguard. <laughs> Turned around to us, does the Rob Van Dam, and then just the most beautiful frog splash. And <laughs> he splashed the lifeguard, got kicked out of the pool, and then walked up with his hands up, doing the championship belt thing. It's still one of the best things I've ever seen. At this point, I was like maybe seven or eight at the time. You know, <laughs> this memory still sticks with me. But all right, yeah, let, let's dive into this. Um, top five theme songs in wrestling history. So, how do you? Uh, what are the rules for this? Do you want to um, start at five and then work down to one? What happens if we have the same one? Oh, if we have the same one, we'll just go. We'll just, you know, boss right through it. But I, I think you should start with five, and then I'll give my five, and then you go, <laughs> and then I'll give my four, and you go four, and then you give your three, and I'll go three, and we'll do like a snake draft type thing. I'm gonna. We're gonna try and pull these songs up, though, right? Okay. I mean, I'm certainly gonna try. Let's see how it works out. So, uh, starting with number five, top five greatest wrestling things of all time. I'd be remiss if I picked any other one but this. I've got the looks. I'm just a sexy boy. Sexy boy. Shawn Michaels, the heartbreak kid, the showstopper, Mr. Main Event, <laughs> Mr. WrestleMania. <laughs> I just love that it's his own, uh, the best part is that they got him to record his own vocals and he has a horrible horrible voice, but <laughs> he went for it. He really went for it. <laughs> Dude, that's one of the best and it's pretty crazy because like I mean obviously he's not going to change it now and I think I've seen interviews with uh, HBK you know, in the last decade, probably where he's like, man, I wish I could have changed my music because like, I'm just not that guy anymore. I'm not the heartbreak kid anymore. And you know, he's, he's found God and all that stuff. And (laughs) he found his smile again. Yeah. He found his smile again. Exactly. (laughs) And it's just like, it's pretty funny to see him come out still to this day. He's like in his probably mid fifties, maybe, maybe early fifties. And he's still got the, you know, sexy boy. Like you were just playing, dude. It's, it's hilarious. But. I'm not your boy toy. <laughs> uh, no, I think, quick, quick aside for this. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
the my uh, world champion softball team, Big Sausage Mike Piazza. Not a big um, deal. Yeah. <laughs> we always brought a speaker and we do our own entrance music. And every single time I get up to bat, I'd play the Shawn Michaels theme. And I'd wait till I got a minute and a half in. I'd stop and I'd kick my cleats off. I'd stretch out. I'd call a quick timeout and just... <laughs> That's a boss move, man. That's a boss move. You got to do what you got to do. All right, what's your what's your pick? Number five. I'll go with my number five. I'm going to go with uh, my boy. If you remember the brood back in the Attitude Era, Gone Girl. Oh, Burrell. yeah. Dude, this, this theme is so sick. Once the beat drops... You remember the guy he used to drink like the he had like a goblet of blood. So the the brood for the people who don't follow wrestling closely, it was Gangrel, it was Edge and Christian who became way more famous on their own with their ladder matches. But they were their their gimmick they were straight up vampires, and they <laughs> they came at the one time like there was blood dripping from the ceiling, and they'd come out and they had fake vampire teeth in. This was like wrestling was the best in the nineties because they just leaned into the ridiculous. Yeah, gimmicks. they they came out of like they came out like from under the ramp and it like pulled them up and they had like the fire, like the the flames around them. Dude, it was awesome. On account of they were vampires, right? <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. Uh, I'll go over to my 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 fourth pick, um, and then I'll give you you can give your fourth pick. But this is my fourth pick, the original uh, rock theme. Bef- after he was Rocky Maivia and like all that bullshit with the he was the baby face with the he had like the what what is it called like the lay or whatever like the Hawaiian lay like the feathers over your. I think it's just called a lay, right? Yeah, the- yeah. I think it is a lay. He had that. And he was like the baby face, and then he finally became a heel. And that's when he was awesome, but that's that's my number four. So here it is. Do you smell what the rock is cooking? Dude, I still mouth and know your role. Yeah, I still find myself saying that shit all the time. The whole theme was just like they had a bunch of little short clips of his catchphrases that they (laughs) played over like a dude. It's funny because it's funny because uh, whenever I was a kid, I used to buy all those like wrestle or like WWF, you know, the volume well ten or volume twelve or whatever it was with all the entrance music's on it. And when you listen to the rocks, it wasn't that one, but it was the "If you smell that one," and uh, and, and like the third verse, he'd be like, "The rock says he's gonna take your little CD, dust it off, turn it sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass." That's my number four, man. That's that's one of the best theme music's of all time. And all right, so and as my favorite wrestler, Shawn Michaels, was my number five. Number four, I gotta go with. Are you ready? You think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? Yeah, you gotta let this play, bud. You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masses. Break it down. Dude, that's one of the best, man. So I want to clarify something here. So many people think that that song 
is written by Rage Against the Machines. It is absolutely not. It was just, you know, peak 1997. I think that was Jim Johnston, who was yep. the same guy who wrote most of those themes. Yeah, so for those who don't know, Jim Johnston, who Ray mentions, he was the like theme music guy for the WWF. I think he still is, actually. Mm-mm. Is he not anymore? They got re- I mean, there was someone else, and then they they've recently changed. So he hasn't been around for a couple of years now, which is why their their entrances are shit. garbage right now. It's all just a generic guitar riff because he's gone. That guy was a legend, dude. He was awesome because I remember uh, Stone Cold was talking about. I fi- it, it was a Rage Against the Machine song. Do you remember what song it was? Uh, that Austin, you know, he, he basically he, he was inspired by that song to have his. Entrance music. It was very clearly written to sound like a Rage Against the Machine song, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what song it was. I'll have to look it up. But you know, Jim Johnston, he's one of the best, and he has so many, so many great, uh, great entrance themes for WWF wrestlers back in the day. So Tim, I turned twenty-one. The year I turned twenty-one, you know, obviously a lot of people from Baldwin went to the Loose Moose that year. The old. the finest establishment in the tri-state area for that entire summer as we were all turning 21 if you went into the loose moose at any time look at the top five on the jukebox all five were by jim johnston <laughs> and and uh that was my number four and the number two song that whole year and i'll get to number one later but the number two song was my next pick which is coming up next i'm right uh, i'm next right yeah yeah number three there you go I loved all the uh, the late '90s music influences on all the wrestling themes. That was so clearly the exact same distortion and reverb that the Beastie Boys used to make the you know. So, dude, that that was an unbelievable song. This is my uh, this is my number three here. I gotta go with. So, I'm not the biggest fan of this guy as a wrestler, but this is one of my favorite entrance themes of all time. It's the Cerebral Assassin Triple H. One, two, this on. Yes, this is the right one, too. This is his best of all time. Might let this play for a little bit. What a great song, dude! Didn't China use that for a while? She did, yeah. yeah. She did whenever her and <laughs> her and awesome Hunter were together. <laughs> but dude, that's the best. That's the best Triple H theme. Other than I like King of Kings because it's Motorhead. I like Motorhead and Lemmy, but the but, Ace of Spades. Oh, the Ace of Spades is sick, dude. But uh, Triple H, he wasn't one of my favorite wrestlers. He's one of the best heels of all time. He oh, was yeah. always, to me, he was always the guy that worked with the guy that drew the money. So he was real good with like working with Austin or working with Rock or working with Taker. And uh, 
Speaking of Undertaker, this is my number two. This is Undertaker's you know best this, theme song. This is also my number two, so I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This was all the right. this was the number one song that whole year after we all turned 21 at the Loose Moose. So just go ahead and play it. It's like his 98 theme. He was scary as shit, dude. I was running for the hills. I was petrified. I thought that The Undertaker actually crucified the big boss man. <laughs> I think he did, bud. He did. He did. <laughs> this is Jim Johnson, too. Of course it is. He's a legend. You gotta let Taker play, man. That, like, one of the best theme songs of all time. Because, dude, that shit used to scare me. And I, and I know, I was a kid, obviously, but I still talked. Like, obviously, my wife, she was like, when I was a kid, like Undertaker scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and that, he he that's, really and would, that's dude. Why you two are together. <laughs> yeah, he really would. And then I fucking flip her the double bird and hit her with the Stone Cold Stunner. Speaking of which, um. I got I got my wedding coming up in a couple of months. Uh, you know, there's a wrestling term. It's called a receipt. At Tim's wedding, you know, like <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going. Oh uh, yeah, I know. At your yeah. own wedding, obviously you're gonna go over at your own wedding. <laughs> and Tim hit me with probably 14 to 20. I'm not sure. I, I blacked out at one point. I lost track. Every time he saw me, he hit me with a stunner, and I had to sell my ass off. So you got that coming for you in a couple of months. <laughs> You did me a solid, I, buddy. You did me a solid. You sold knees. that fucking. I blew out the knees. I think I ripped my uh, my suit coat. <laughs> you know, like I, I didn't do what I had to do. You sold it, man. I appreciate the hell out of that. But you're up for number two. You said number two was the Undertaker, right? I so picked you... the Undertaker too. So I, I'll go ahead and pass, and then I got my uh, the number one overall wrestling theme. You want me to save mine for last, or you? No, you can go. You can go first. All right. So this is mine. <laughs> Badass Billy Gunn. In case you couldn't make out those words, I'm going to go ahead and read the lyrics to you right now. <laughs> I love to love them. I love to kick them. I love to shove them. I love to stick them. Love to flaunt them. I love to watch them. I love to pick them. And I'm going to kick them. Because I'm an ass man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo. You remember uh, you can't back get away in the with 90s? that kind of shit today. Just, no, he he had, he had a pair of he had a pair of green trucks with green lips trunks on with either lips side on of the yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, because he was an ass man. You remember? Uh, I don't know if you remember this or not, but he was having a feud with The Rock. He came out and <laughs> he 
he was talking all this bullshit on The Rock, and The Rock like got some girl to give him a massage on his ass, and she rubbed his ass with the people's poison ivy. You remember that? And like the <laughs> badass Billy Gunn had like he had poison ivy on his ass. Obviously, it's part of the storyline. But well, he's an ass man. You know, he puts his ass places that most people don't. Yeah, dude, that's one of the best songs of all time. <laughs> it, dude, ass or uh, badass Billy Gunn, and then Val Venus. Some of the two, just, just the craziest characters of all time. But I, I was gonna include that one, but part of the thing that made his so great was the actual like the jumbotron entrance. It was just like all of this like vaguely sexual things. Like there was like a hot dog sliding into a bun, and then like a flower blooming, <laughs> and then with, <laughs> and with that move, the saxophone song playing, and then like he'd come out with the towel. Just <laughs> absolutely absurd. But uh, that's a great number one, dude. I'm actually I'm actually pretty jealous. You picked that as number one, but I had to go with this. So. That's Jim Johnson again, man. Don't even need to play the whole thing. All you need is to hear that glass break. You know that oh, the yeah. Texas rattlesnake's coming. I stone cold a couple beers while I was listening to it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. I do have one I want to play. I got to find it um, as an honorable mention. So I, I hope you don't mind that. Let's hear it. We got some bonus content. You think you know me? It's one of my favorites. One of my favorites, dude. I, I love Edge. Like he's one of my favorite wrestlers. Like, but dude, Edge is awesome. And like you mentioned, I talked about obviously one of my favorites was the Brood. He was in the Brood. Um, he's got one of the best theme music of all time. He's got one of the best, you know, just as far as being a you know a top tier wrestler. He's one of the best ever, best tag team wrestler, one of the top five, you know, tag team wrestlers in my opinion. Individual wrestler, great, just a great performer. Uh, one of my favorites. So I had to I had to include him as an honorable mention. He didn't quite squeak into the top five. But Ray, man, I can't can't thank you enough for coming on. I know it's the third time you've been on, and and the the uh, listeners have been asking for it. They love when you come on. So I appreciate it the hell out of that, man. I appreciate you, Tim. And we got a big game tomorrow. Um, we do. You know, <laughs> we're going to be ready to go. Before I go, first of all, uh, again, my my appearance brought to you by Dots Pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> I have a quote. I want to leave you guys with a quote here. All right. All right. I can't wait to hear this. Listen, this is really important, Tim. I want you to pay attention to All specifically right. you. I got you. You, Tim. <laughs> you know, forget about the rest of the listeners. This is me to you. All right. <laughs> Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. 
but bad but guys bad do, baby. Guys <laughs> do. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Reza Ramon. I love it. Hey, on that note, have a hell of a week. I hope you guys have a great week. Watch the NHL playoffs. Watch some wrestling. Enjoy the hell out of yourselves. And remember, if I don't see you around here, I'll see you around. Here.